0: Morning, Glory America. It is the last radio hour of the week on the last weekend before the presidential election of 2016. So it's an abbreviated Hillsdale dialogue today, only two segments uh, with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. As afterwards, I must speak with Reince Priebus, the chairman of the RNC, in the third segment. But Dr. Arn is appearing on a very auspicious day. And everything Hillsdale is found at hillsdale.edu. And Hugh for Hillsdale.com concludes all of the Hillsdale Dialogues. Because today, Vince Benedetto of Bold Gold Radio informs us on Twitter, is College Radio Day. And he greets Scott Bertram, Hey Miller, Hillsdale 101.7, and Hillsdale and me, hashtag WRFH, which stands for Radio Free Hillsdale. Did you know that today is College Radio Day, Dr.
1: Larry Arn? I I learned it from you just now.
0: Well, isn't it a good thing? If you followed Twitter, you would know that. And have you yet graced the studios of WRFH?
1: Uh, Well, I haven't been invited on. I think I have to prove myself first. It's like pirate radio, that
0: wonderful Philip Seymour thing. They're they're sailing around the borders of Hillsdale, and I hope they, I hope they stay away from too close to the castle. They've got to stay out of range of the castle, is what they've got to do. So, congratulations. To that uh, we are beginning today a series of weeks on C. S. Lewis's amazing novel, That Hideous Strength. And for people just walking into the middle of this. Uh, Dr. Rahn is conducting a seminar on totalitarianism. And we have read thus far 1984, Darkness at Noon, and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Now, C.S. Lewis, who was born in Ulster, in Belfast, Ireland, in 1898, died on the 22nd of November 1963 at Oxford, England, the same day that Aldous Huxley died. And both of them were largely ignored in their passing because it was the same day that President Kennedy Was assassinated. But Lewis was quite the amazing man, I would argue, if not the most influential Christian of the 20th century among the top two or three. Billy Graham is up there as well. What do you make of Lewis generally and as of his career as an Oxford and Cambridge Don, Dr. Arne?
1: I think of him as one of the most important people to me that I ever read and one of the most important people in the 20th century ever to write. He's. He's different from Billy Graham. He's, he's uh, an academic man. He's a deeply learned man. And, uh, you know, I mean, his fundamental education shines in everything he writes, and yet he writes simply and beautifully. And his books are, to this day, huge sellers. And he's been dead for, what, 50 years, a little more. And so he's just a, he's just a gift. He's an extremely important man. And, you know, in this age, one of the reasons I urge people to read him, and read him myself, I started reading him in graduate school, by the way, first in a course on nihilism. We were also reading Nietzsche. Um, Is that this is an age where, uh, because deconstruction of everything rational and real and divine and abiding is the fashion of the age. And Lewis wrote a lot about that, including this novel we're going to talk about. And so that's a problem that has to be thought through. And I don't know anybody who helps better than C.S. Lewis.
0: Now, he was part of a small group. He taught at Oxford at uh, Magdalen College. He also taught at Cambridge University. That is unusual, is it not, for one to go from the one to the other?
1: Well, he was, that's right. And we, and we say Magdalen College. Which is near Magdalen Street in Oxford. That's that's what you say when you know what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> you're you know. right. and, you know, why do I know? I lived there for a while. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but but if you, if you make that mistake, that's like really raises eyebrows in Oxford. <laughs> I, I won't go to Oxford. I only went once to de- to well, debate can, there
0: at the Union. <laughs> Model now you can come. go.
1: It, uh, there isn't a lot more to know than that, but that's <laughs> one to know. And uh, he, uh, yeah, so he was, he he got an appointment at Oxford when he was a young man, and he worked most of his career there, and then very late in his life, he was given a major professorship at Cambridge, and he had become a very famous man, and, uh, you know, he was, you know, he, he wrote the Oxford history of 17th century literature, and that's a big deal, and uh, a very big, important academic thing. And then, uh, did I get it right? Is it 16th century literature? I'm forgetting right now. But um, it's Renaissance, anyway. And, uh, and, he, um, and so he was a very distinguished academic. He was a controversial figure in Oxford because the contesting of the modern doctrines, which were coming into Oxford and heavily planted there by, by his lifetime, he fought with people about that. And he never got offered so distinguished a professorship in the Oxford where he lived to his dying day, by the way, um, outside Oxford in a little place called the Kilns. Um, He never got such a grand offer from Oxford, although he was a serious man and lifelong tutor at Oxford. And so he did move to Cambridge. And there he was treated as a celebrity. And it didn't last just a few years, and I can't remember how many. So, yeah, he, he did both.
0: And and, and and I bring that up because the beginning of that hideous strength. there's an introduction in which he says, uh, you learn more from fairy toils than you do from people at places like Brackton College, the the imaginary college, which is a sort of an amalgam of Cambridge and Oxford. Uh, for many German peasants had actually met scru- cruel stepmothers, where I have never in any university come across a college like Brackton. He also writes that in this story, the outer rim of devilry has been shown touching the life of some ordinary and respectable profession, academia, and that those who would like to learn further about Numenor and the true West must await the publication of much that still exists only in the mind of the manuscripts of my friend, Professor J.R.R. Tolkien. So I I wanted to point out, he knows the world of which he writes in That Hideous Strength so well. Oxford, Cambridge, his whole life is spent there. His pals are Tolkien. And what you made the point of... He is very smart and well-read.
1: Oh, yeah. And another thing is, in that same introduction, shortly beneath what you quoted, he says that uh, he, he, he's not meaning to say bad things about academic world. Uh, it just happens to be a profession he knows, and that's why he wrote about it. But the truth is, he wrote about other professions in his life, and, and, the, and I think he's being charitable and ironic when he disavows that, that point. uh, Because what the book does is it shows how certain arguments lead to certain practical consequences in the lives, including the political lives, of people. And, of course, it's in academic settings where those arguments are born and propagated.
0: And I have a friend he also begins with and and people who are not Christian have better understand this from the beginning he has a he He is a devout Christian he believes in the devil or the enemy. My friend Jan Janer will be happy to know that we 're talking about a book that actually believes not in mere science but also in the supernatural and articulates the fact that there is an enemy and here he is he 's writing from that assumption that there is an enemy and that the enemy has plans and those plans develop over a long period of time as we've seen history full of bad people developing their plans over a long period of time it's a very strange worldview for a lot of our listeners dr art
1: oh yeah and uh, of course what a blessing because this is a really smart guy right and i mean learn it deeply knowledgeable guy and so he writes about that you know in mere christianity he, if I remember rightly, he takes up the question, you know, so you really do believe in this day and age. <laughs> yes, that, that there are supernatural spirits, good and evil about us, you know, and that that taunt was flung at him through his life. Oh, during the break, I have I know, to, answered it better.
0: I have to find a taunt that was flung at me by Richard Dawkins, another uh, English don. Maybe they can find it during the break so I can I can play it for you. But he was not afraid. Was he? I like that about Lewis that he was unafraid.
1: Well, he wa you know, he was also he had a gift that that uh, I wish to cultivate better than I've been able, and that was he wasn't mean to anybody. Right. While he had these fierce arguments with them. You have
0: to you have much to work on that with me. You're often yeah, quite you know, <laughs>
1: meaner to my friends though than I am to Miami, so I try to be
0: <laughs> But he was he was a gentle soul.
1: Very yeah, he. if we go on, the last book we're reading in my course is The Abolition of Man, which is a partner to this book, and, and it's, an, it's a long essay, it's a short book, and, it, and he says in the preface that you read from to that hideous strength that all he's doing is putting into fiction the arguments in Abolition of Man, and in that book, he just tears apart throughout the book and shows the cosmically disastrous consequences. Of a high school grammar book, but he conceals the name of the book and the, and the names of the author. And because he's kind. Yeah, he says, you know, he says, I owe them good words for giving me a copy of this book, but after that I will have nothing good to say about them. <laughs> so, so he really <laughs> I- tears them up. I will be right back with Dr. Larry Arn.
0: This is the predicate for many weeks of conversation about that hideous strength. You really need to read this book. And it's available for pittance on iTunes and bookstores everywhere. That hideous strength. I'll be right back with Dr. Larry Arn. Welcome back. America, it's you here with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu, including incredible online courses that are absolutely free, including the uh, the Newsletter, the Speech Digest, imprimus, dot com, and I would add Hillsdale dot com has all of our conversations dating back four years now. That are uh, you can binge listen. We are beginning our study of that hideous strength uh, because it is concurrent with Doctor Arn's seminar on totalitarianism. That hideous strength, published in nineteen forty three by C. S. Lewis, begins interesting Larry Arn with marriage. It begins with boredom in marriage, and then quickly moves to a faculty meeting. Why do you think he begins with boredom in marriage?
1: Mm. Well, it will, um, blossom, uh, at the end because it also ends with the relief of that boredom. Uh, so it begins and ends with bad marriage and then good marriage. And, uh, it's, it's important in the middle of this totalitarian novel because, um, I'll put it in my words. Um, uh, there are three things about us that really all of us have to cope with and provide our deepest tests and satisfactions in our lives. Our lives as individuals, I mean. Uh, one of them is our faith, and one of them is the work we have to do to make our living a necessary attribute of the human condition. And the last one is the, our family, which is how we come to be. And so, and, and remember, human beings coming to be is very complex. It takes a long time to raise a kid. And then when we get old, we need, and, we, and when we get old is when we're very young, we get weaker. Some of us are longer, some of us for shorter. And we need people to care for us. And the family uh, provides that. It, uh, now, totalitarian countries invade all three of those things. Uh, we've read in 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 uh, uh, 1984 and in and in Brave New World, especially how it's a theme that they conscript the family yep. into agents of the state, an agency of the state. In 1984, your children are turned against you by the education they receive, and you live in terror of them denouncing you if they just do that at any age then you're going to be arrested and the results are likely to be horrific and utterly outside your control and so uh uh jane one of the main figures a married woman uh is bored with her marriage and and it is revealed in the novel is because she and her husband both fail to understand it and uh, what they don't understand is the depth of, a, of the partnership in marriage. They both want to, uh, the, the husband, by the way, who's from Brackton College and one of the main figures going to this new institution we will describe, uh, is a modern social scientist.
0: Yes, and he's he is, a sociologist.
1: He's a devoid of any knowledge or imagination for the magic of marriage. And in the novel, it's very touching when he comes to see that.
0: And it's also touching at the beginning, the dimbles arrive. And I love the use of uh, Dickensian names. The dimbles are heroes, but you would never recognize them as such at the beginning, as are the old academics who are the old set versus the young, smart progressives who are everywhere around us. But I, I had, I'm reading this closely because it's in your seminar, and I had not noticed before that the mar- you know, that it opens with marriage, which I guess is going to be Lewis's argument about the way you stop the totalitarian state is to make sure you take care of the married family.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, there's several ways, because marriage appears as a ceremony, a sacrament, and a rite in this novel. And of course that means that marriage is a connection with God, which is an explicit teaching of the, of the Bible, both Old and New Testaments. Um, so, so, yeah, they, uh, marriage is very important in this thing. And, and uh, f- for those of you who enjoyed Brave New World, I will tell you that talk of sex is constant in this novel. <laughs> it's from C.S. Lewis. And I also would I tempt
0: people with 30 seconds. Arthurian legend is here as well, which is always a getter, right? He, oh, it's yeah. A, it, it's, it's, it's good to have Merlin in your book. It's, it's very good. <laughs> that is our table set for next week. Go and get it, America. Dive into that hideous strength. It can stand alone. It's a wonderful novel. It will change the way you think about things, and the Hillsdale Dialogue will be rich, rich, rich for having read it closely with Dr. Larry Arn. Hugh for Hillsdale.com, all the Hillsdale Dialogues. I'll talk to you again next week, Dr. Larry Arn.